Genesis 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Father, we ask that this morning you would help us by the power of your Spirit to understand your word. We thank you that you have sent the Spirit to be our helper, to reveal your word, to pierce our hearts, to convict us, to bring joy. We thank you, Father, that as your word says, your kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. So please show us this morning your greatness and our smallness. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you have recently wondered why the world is the way it is. More and more people seem to be speaking about the world ripping at the seams. Uh, There seems to be almost a, a madness in the air. And it's just not one nation or people group that's pointing this out, is it? It's not one social class or ethnicity. Really, you would have to have your head in the sand to not feel the weight of what's currently taking place. Let me give an illustration here. If you take a glance at the news of the past week, you'll see headlines like this. Possible World War III. Gender confusion. Abortion rights. You'll see another scandal of a politician's corruption. You'll hear of conspiracies of aliens and UFOs. You'll read or hear about the world's ecosystem collapsing in on itself and 15 ways to prevent it from happening. Now, is this normal? Is it something to be concerned about? Are we on the brink of an apocalypse? Now, I can't say yes or no to these specific questions, but what I can do is give us the answer of how we got here and then hopefully give us maybe one or two solutions to move forward. We've been going through this series called The Gospel, and up to this point, we've defined the gospel as good news. So if the gospel is good news, then a question should come to our minds, shouldn't it? Why is it good news? There must be bad news then, right? There is bad news. The worst possible news that you could imagine. And the bad news this morning is the sermon's key point. 
The key point of today's sermon is that mankind rejects God's authority in pursuit of their own. And we'll see this unfold for us in three parts this morning. Adam and Eve reject God's authority. Man pursues his own authority. And last, Jesus lays aside his authority. But how did we get here? What took place for Adam and Eve to reject God's authority? We saw last week the good news. This week we're seeing the bad news. We saw in the first two chapters, or we saw last week, how God, when he made Adam and Eve, he made them unique. He made them his pinnacle, the apex of all creation. How? Why? Because he made them in his image and likeness. You, in the 21st century, are created in God's image and likeness. How did God make them in his image and likeness? By being his representative. When God did this, when he made Adam and Eve in his image and likeness, he was making Adam and Eve or mankind to represent him. And they were to represent him by ruling over his creation. Specifically, we're told, by being fruitful and multiplying or by making more people to bear God's image and then by working. And by doing this, they would glorify and magnify God, the creator of everyone and everything. And if we were to continue to read in chapter 2 of Genesis, we would see that while they were to represent God, God gave them a boundary. He gave them a command. He commanded Adam and Eve to not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then he gave them a warning that if they ate of this tree, that they would surely die. Now some people object to this and say this is unfair of God to do this. Let me see if I can illustrate, though, why this is not unfair of God to do this. Imagine that you won a contest. And this contest gave you access to your favorite store. Maybe it's Cabela's, TJ Maxx, Barnes & Noble, Target, Home Depot, whatever your favorite store is. Rita's like, yes, Home Depot. Think about whatever your favorite store is. Imagine that you had complete and utter access to that store. But part of winning this contest was that you had complete and utter access to the store, but the owner of the store said, this one section is off limits. And if you take anything from just this one section then you will never have access to this store again. 
Not only will you not have access to the store again, but you will never be able to buy anything from this store again. Is it fair for the owner, the one who made up this contest, to do that? Well, yeah, why? Because the owner has authority. The owner has the ultimate authority over the store. You, who is the contest winner, doesn't. This is why it was fair for God to put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden and ask of Adam and Eve to not eat of it. Because God has authority. He has complete authority over Adam and Eve. It's because God is the owner of his creation. God has true authority over creation. God placing the tree in the garden acted as a reminder to Adam and Eve. It reminded them of his goodness and protection to keep them alive, but it also reminded them that they are representatives and that God is the one who has ultimate authority. I mean, let's think about it like this. Adam and Eve, they must have walked past the tree too many times for us to count and never once second-guessed God's authority and word. That is, until the slithery serpent comes on the scene. And what does he do? What does the serpent do? Well, the serpent, he tempts Eve. And it's very important to see exactly how the serpent tempts Eve. First, he tempts her to second-guess God's word. Did God really say? Did he actually say? Second, he tempts Eve to question God's authority. God just doesn't want you to be like him. You see, what the serpent is doing to Eve is leading her into pride, which makes her think and believe that God is withholding something from her and Adam. That God is holding some sort of spiritual insight, some kind of authority that doesn't belong to them. And so through this pride, we see in our passage the most tragic reality of the human race. Eve takes the fruit, eats it, doesn't die on the spot, and then Adam sees that Eve is not dead and says, what will this hurt? Greg Gilbert, 
he, he wrote this, this great book, What is the Gospel? He says it like this. When Adam and Eve bit into the fruit, therefore they weren't just violating some arbitrary command, don't eat the fruit. They were rejecting God's authority over them and declaring their independence from him. Let me illustrate it like this for us. We, we see this through King David and Absalom, his son's relationship. In 2 Samuel, we're told that when David was king, his son Absalom rejects his father's authority. And how does he reject his father's authority? He rejects his father's authority by going around and pretending to be king and making empty promises to people to win favor with the people. He sneaks behind his father's back to steal his father's kingship. It wasn't for Absalom's to take, but he did. And so it was with Adam and Eve. They went behind their creators, the king's back, and they tried making themselves rulers because they wanted to be God. Let me summarize it like this for us. Adam and Eve, they had it all. Health. Peace. They walked with God. They never felt shame. Never once worried about what tomorrow would bring. They had it all that you and I longed for. But in their pride, they say to God, God, we don't want to represent you and your authority. We want to represent our own authority. We want to represent ourselves. They were declaring their autonomy from God. They were saying to God, forget you. I want to do it my own way. And this is tragic. This isn't like, I got a parking ticket. Ha ha, let's have a good laugh about how bad I am. This is the bad news of the gospel that has left mankind from generation to generation experiencing badness and evil. Through Adam's disobedience, every single person was infected with this sin. This sin which has been passed down from your parents to you to your kids. It will be passed down to your grandkids and, and then their grandkids. This, this internal desire that mankind should pursue his own authority and reject God's authority. It came from the fall. This is what we deal with. This is what we see going on in our own lives and in, in the lives around us. You see, your heart and my heart desire to take God's authority from him and make it our own. This is the world we live in. This is why we see the chaos that goes on, not just out there, but in our own lives. It's because we reject God's authority and word, and we look to our own authority to lead our lives. Your desire to live your truth, your desire to reject God, your desire to, to make your own rules, comes from the internal desire to reject God's authority, to pursue your own authority. 
This is the tragedy of sin that has stained you and I. So why do you sin? And why do you continue to sin? Why after five years, ten years, is your heart still addicted to gossip and slander and cynicism? Why after so many years of professing faith in Christ do you still act like a non-Christian because your heart, it longs for its own authority and not to submit to God's authority? What your sinful heart is constantly tempting you to pursue is your own authority, not God's. And because of that, God has said he will judge those who live and die as their own kings and queens of this world. Now you may think that this is unfair, that you will be judged according to Adam and Eve's failure. Let's not just want to take all of the blessings that Adam and Eve received from God and then throw away the bad parts. Let me try illustrating why this takes place. In a football game, when one person is penalized, the whole team is penalized. Because Adam and Eve, they were penalized, we will be penalized. Because Adam and Eve were the first representatives of the human race, they represented you and I as well. And so we too will be penalized because it is in our hearts to pursue our own authority rather than God's authority. And the penalty that you and I will face is that we will die, but it's not just a physical death, it's an eternal spiritual death, an eternal death where you will experience the full anger and wrath of God. The worst possible punishment that you could ever think of will be laid on you. That is, if you live and die believing that you are the authoritative one in this life. This is mankind's problem in the 21st century. This is our greatest sin, is that we have rejected God's authority to pursue our own authority. And I'm just going to say it like this. Hasn't turned out too well, has it? But Scripture tells us that although we pursue our own authority and reject God's authority, that God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Because of God's great love and patience for his creation, he sends a second representative. He sends another to represent us. And this man would lay aside his own authority for the sake of us. He sends his son Jesus. And here we see that this second representative does not try to represent himself in any type of way, but instead of of rejecting God and pursuing his own authority, he humbly submits to his father's authority. And how does Jesus humbly submit to his Father's authority? By doing the opposite of what you and I do, by doing the opposite of what Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve thought that they deserved equality with God, but Jesus, the Son of God, does not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But instead, he humbles himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And Scripture tells us that through this one man's obedience the many would be made righteous. By Jesus laying aside his authority and obeying his heavenly Father to the point of death, even death on a cross, he makes it possible for you and I to be reconciled to our heavenly Creator. Jesus does this by not counting equality with God. Where our sinful hearts desire equality with God, Jesus does the opposite for the sake of our salvation, for our redemption, to free us from slavery. And this is made possible through his life and death and resurrection. This is made possible through our trust in Christ and what he does It's by trusting in what Jesus has done which brings you everlasting life. Christ does what you couldn't. Adam and Eve, they did not represent God as they were supposed to and neither do we. Instead, they and we want to represent ourselves. We want to reject God's authority in pursuit of our own authority. But Christ, Christ out of his love for his people comes as the perfect representative so that you could have eternal life. Where do you stand at this moment? Right here, right now, there are only two places. One place is that you have accepted Christ as the perfect representative and through that made righteous or made right with God. Or you still represent yourself and the judgment of God still looms over your head. So why is 
the world the way it is? Why is it increasingly getting more and more off what we would say center? Because we're seeing what it looks like when mankind rejects the authority of God and pursues their own authority. Can I just say this? Only shame and misery follow when you reject God's authority to pursue your own. So then, how does a person live when they have been transformed by the gospel? How, how, do, how, do a, how does a Christian live when the Spirit of God has enlightened their hearts, has made them born again, has converted them, What does the person's heart or what does the person who has submitted themselves to Christ and his authority look like? First, what always happens, without a doubt, the very first thing when a person submits to the authority of God and starts to say, I'm going to reject my own authority and submit to God's authority, when, when the Spirit brings light to you, the very first thing happens is you see that your sin wants to take the throne of God. That it wants to take the throne of God and then place you on it. And so the first thing that happens is it causes a deep sorrow in your soul towards your own sin. Not their sin, or their sin, or his sin, or her sin, but your sin. But there's another magnificent thing that happens. It also causes the deepest happiness and joy in your soul toward Jesus. Which leads us to the second way that a person responds when they have submitted themselves to the authority of God. It's that you desire to follow God's word. Meditating on this passage, I realized something that left me so deeply encouraged. I I think I finally understood what David means. I delight in the law of the Lord. I delight in his words. What is David saying when he's saying this? What David is saying is, he's saying, I delight in the authority of God. To follow his commands and words is far better for my life than to follow my own authority. This was the king of Israel saying this. He's saying, I delight in the word, I delight in the law. The, so, so what happens to the person who experiences new birth, who has been converted, who has the spirit of God and has submitted themselves to God's authority, they delight in the word of God and following what God's word says. Why do you think Jesus then says, deny yourself? He's saying, deny your own authority and follow my authority. So, You should look to God's word to lead and guide you. And then you should submit to God's word to lead and guide you.
Lastly, when the Spirit of God softens your heart and you submit to the authority of God, you see that Satan wants to tempt you to doubt God's word and authority. Satan, his crew, and your own flesh will tempt you. They will tempt you first through the gaze, then through the emotions, and then lastly through the soul. The way that they will tempt you, the way that your flesh, Satan and his crew, will tempt you is to say, look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't eat. Eat, but just don't swallow. Because we are in a battle where we are constantly being assaulted to doubt the authority of God and his word, we should memorize scripture. For what purpose though? not for brownie points, but to preach to yourself. You should memorize Scripture so that when doubts of accusation or Satan's attempts to get you to doubt God's authority come, you have ammunition to preach to yourself. It would do some of you very good to listen to yourself less and preach to yourself more. The only way that you'll be able to do this is if you know God's word and have memorized it. So when the assault comes, you don't have to be on the defense, but you can actually actively be on offense. As representatives, Adam and Eve, full of pride, rejected God's authority in pursuit of their own. And because of that, mankind from generation to generation pursues his own authority. This is the sin of the human race. This is our great sin. But there's hope. (laughs) There's great hope for you and I. Jesus, he lays aside his authority by dying for us so that way when we submit ourselves to him, we can have peace. We can have eternal life with God. This is what our world needs. This is what we need. This is what you need to submit to God's perfect and good authority. Father, we ask that you would help us submit to your authority. Our flesh desires to pursue our own authority. It desires to do our own thing. It desires to make excuses. It desires to look to ourselves as the rule makers rather than looking to you. God, you are a good and gracious Father. And so we worship you. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.